we never will really know, will we? You know, how much it cost, you know, for God to carry our sin on the cross. You know, whenever, I, whenever we sing that song, um, my mind goes back about 15 years or so back to Georgia and a guy named Will. Um, he was a refugee from um, Liberia. Um, him and his brothers and sisters were forced to leave because of the Civil War and they lived with their uncle and, and their family came to our church and uh, Will was a big guy and I'd never seen anybody run as fast and as quick as Will could. And Will would sing this song. And he had a way of singing it that was just like, it was, was kind of cute in a way, even though he's a big guy, you know, and, and I can just hear his voice, you know, and he fled Liberia because of a civil war and he came to America and not only found refuge here, but he found Christ at our church. And, and so I, I just see Will, you know, every time I hear that and what a great song. And I hope that this morning that that's why you're here and why I'm here to worship, Right. And worship is not just singing songs, though that was pretty awesome. Uh, worship also involves God's Word. And since God's Word is living and active, God wants us to engage His Word in a living and active way, in an alive and active way. And if we do that, we'll leave this place knowing that we encountered not some guy standing up here saying a bunch of words, but we encountered the God-breathed Word. And uh, Maple Grove, welcome to day 14 of our seven-week journey transformed. And our theme verse is Romans chapter 12, verse 2. And, and this week, I, I want to look at it from the New Living Translation. Uh, Paul writes, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Let me sum up what I want to say this, today in one sentence. Now, that doesn't mean you can check out after this sentence. Hopefully you'll stay with me. Uh, but God is far more interested in changing your mind than in changing your circumstances. Far more interested in changing your mind than changing your circumstances. Now, we want God to change our circumstances, right? I mean, we want him to take away all our problems, all the pain, all the sorrow, all the suffering, all the sickness, all the sadness, and God says, yeah, I, I know that's important, but the most important thing is not what's happening out there, but what's happening in you. And God says, I'm far more important, I'm far more interested in, in changing your mind before I change your circumstances, because nothing happens in our lives, no transformation takes place until our thoughts begin to change. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Let's pray together. Father God, here we are, and here you are, and we're here to worship. And God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and our minds to hear your truth. God, I pray that we come to you today not as hard soil or, or rocky soil, or soil that has so many weeds that life gets choked out, but I pray that we come to you as fertile soil, ready for your word and your truth to be planted in it. God, I, I pray that you would begin to change us into new people as we change the way that we think. God, God, help me to 
share your word in the way that you want me to share it. Holy Spirit, move among your people. I pray you breathe fresh among us today and that we leave here today, God, knowing that we have encountered you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, now so far in, in Transform, we've talked about spiritual health and about how the, the closer we get to God, the closer we get to God, the closer we get to God, the more our, our life will change, the more that we will be transformed. And when it comes to this closeness thing, right, God has already done his part. God has done his part. He sent his son at a tremendous cost. The veil has been torn in two, and the only thing separating you from a deep, intimate, personal relationship with the creator of the universe is you, right? And, and, and it's me. And like the prodigal son, we get closer to God when we get, we get fed up with living a life without God in the center, when we own up to our sins, our faults, and our failures, and then when we, we offer up our lives to God, God, take me, I am yours, take my life, and let it be consecrated, set apart to you, God, and to you alone. And then as we continue to, to lift up praise and thanksgiving for the sheer fact that we get to be in his presence. And then last week in this room, we talked about physical health. We talked specifically six things that will help us overcome stress, something I think we all are familiar with. And we see here, here's the six things. Uh, trust God to meet all your needs. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. That helps us overcome the stress of worry. Number two, obey God's command to rest. He makes me lie down in green pastures. This takes care of the stress of too many spinning plates. Go to God for, for guidance and, and follow his lead. And he leads me beside peaceful waters. He guides me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And this helps us with the stress you and I have from indecision and from incongruent values by we believe one thing, but we don't live like we believe that thing. Lean hard into God while in the dark valleys. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I know that you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. They comfort me. This helps us deal with the, the stress of pain and loss. And, and then we said that we need to let God be our defender. And this helps us with the stress of conflict and criticism. He prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then we said that we need to live our lives expecting God to pursue us all the days of our lives with his, his love and his unfailing love and his goodness and, 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 to, and that we'll always be looking forward knowing that, that we will live in the house of the Lord forever. Physical health, spiritual health. This morning we're going to talk about mental health and having a healthy mind. And, and I want to start off by giving, giving you guys three reasons why Having a, a healthy mind and managing your thoughts, your thought life is critical to transformation. Number one, because our thoughts control our life. I uh, understand every single action begins with a thought. If you didn't think it, you wouldn't do it. Now, that's both good and bad. If you don't think it, you don't do it. If it's a good thought, you're going to do something good. If it's a bad thought, you're going to do something bad. But your thoughts control your life. Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4, he said, be careful how you what? How you? How you? Good. If you're visiting, welcome to Maple Grove. We're glad you're here. Uh, we're a church that believes the most important thing is your personal 
connection to Jesus, to have a life-changing relationship with him. And another thing I need to let you know is I, I like class participation, right? You know, you know it, it, it helps me. It gets you out quicker. It makes me happy. And it pleases our Lord and Father in heaven, okay? Uh, be careful how you think. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. People say, hey, I was only thinking it. It's not a big deal. Yeah, it is. Because you don't realize how important your thoughts are in shaping your life. The, the Bible says that your thoughts, the way you think, have tremendous impact in shaping your life, either good or bad. Uh, repeat after me. My life is shaped, my life is shaped by my thoughts. By my thoughts. And, and listen, here, here's the deal. If you accepted the thoughts that were put in your head when growing up, and somebody said to you, you're worthless, you're no good, you don't matter, you're ugly, you never amount to anything, you will grow up just to be like your mom or your dad. I understand, if you accepted and believed those words, whether they were true or false, those words, those thoughts shaped your life. Now, now, most of us are usually more interested and more in tune to how we feel. And we're going to get the feelings next week when we talk uh, about emotional health. But your feelings don't shape your life. Your beliefs do. And listen, it doesn't have to be true. If you believe it, it's going to shape your life. I, I understand there are a lot of us who've had things said to us and about us when we were growing up that were not true. But we believe those lies. And they took root in our minds and they began to shape our lives. And years later, we're still acting on and being affected by, by those lies and, and by that false information. That's why God tells us in Romans 12 too, the theme verse for this, for this series of conversations, God says, hey, let me transform you. Let me transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Uh, because our thoughts control our lives, whether those thoughts are good or bad. Uh, another reason controlling our thoughts is critical is because the mind is a battleground for sin. Brothers and sisters, it's in here. It's right in here where I lose or win the battle. In, in fact, all temptation happens in the mind. And now, now we think temptation is something out there, that it's something external, something that we see out there, and we say, hey, something out there is tempting me, but listen, it would not tempt you unless there was a desire within you for that. Now, James said it this way, right? We studied James a while back. Each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire. All temptation happens in your mind. It happens between your ears. As a result, sin happens in your mind. Our minds are, 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 are a battleground. And, and, and when we talk about, now when we talk about the sins of pride or, or lust or bitterness or, or hatred or anger or fear or resentment or envy or, or worry, where are those things? They are in our mind. So if we, if we want to nip Nip it, nip it, nip it, right? If we want to nip sin in the bud, we have to nip it between our ears. Paul says in Romans 7, he paints a very powerful picture of the battle in our minds that pulls us in so many different directions. Paul says this. He says, I, I love to do God's will, 
so far as my new nature is concerned, but. I understand there's always a but. There's always a but. Turn to the person to your right and left and tell them there's always a but. That's one T, all right? That's the one T but, all right? We have so much fun saying but for service too. I love through God's will so far as my new nature is concerned, but there's something else deep within me that's at war with my mind and wins the fight and makes me a slave to the sin within me. In my mind, I want to be God's servant, but instead, I find myself still enslaved to sin. Now, I think we can all identify with that, right? Circle some words in that passage if you're taking notes. Circle the word war, the word fight, the word slave. The word enslave. What, what's Paul saying? He's saying there's a battle in your mind. I understand. There's this battle in our mind, and that, that, that's why we, we get so fatigued, right? Because there's this battle in our mind, and it's going on 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, and twice on Sunday, right? There's this battle going on. And we may be conscious of this battle, or we may be unconscious of this battle, but nevertheless, there is a battle raging in our minds. And listen, the reason why this battle uh, that is raging in our mind, it's so debilitating and so intense, is because your brain, your mind, your thoughts are your greatest asset. Therefore, Satan wants to control your mind. The world wants to control your mind. Brothers and sisters, there is a battle for the way that you think. Why? Because whatever gets your attention gets you. Hashtag truth. Hashtag been there, done that. Okay, so we need to control our mind because our, our, our thoughts control our life, because our mind is a battleground for sin and temptation. And number three, uh, because controlling our thoughts is the key to peace and happiness. The key to peace and happiness. Listen, listen. It, it, if you learn, if you learn what we're going to talk about this morning, and if you apply it to your life, and if I do the same thing, our, our peace of mind will go dramatically up, and so will our happiness and our enjoyment of life. Get it? Good. I, I, I understand an unmanaged mind leads to tension. A managed mind leads to tranquility. An unmanaged mind leads to pressure. A managed mind leads to peace. An unmanaged mind leads to conflict and chaos. A managed mind leads to confidence. An unmanaged mind leads to stress. If we just let our mind wander all over the place, we will have a tremendous amount of stress placed upon us, but a managed mind leads to strength and security and serenity. The Bible says it like this in, in Romans chapter 8. It, 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 if your sinful nature controls your mind, there is what? There's death. By the way, death is the opposite of life. But if the Holy Spirit controls your mind, there is what? Life and peace. And so here's what I want us to do in the time remaining. We're going to talk about, we're going to look at three choices that we need to make every day that will help us control our thoughts and in turn help us have a healthy mind. 
three choices that, that are critical to mental health. Now, 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 a lot of people don't realize that you can control your thoughts. My thoughts are uncontrollable. No, you just think they're uncontrollable. You can't control your thoughts. In fact, nobody else can. Satan cannot control your thoughts. Now, he would love to be able to control your thoughts, but he can't. He can only fire suggestions at you, right? And listen, God won't control your thoughts either. So we don't need to pray, you know, if we're having bad thoughts or guilty thoughts or scary thoughts or depressing thoughts or discouraging thoughts, you know, I I don't need to pray, God, please take away these thoughts because God's going to say, Steve, it's your mind, you do it. Steve, all you have to do is change the channel. Steve, you don't have to be thinking about what you're thinking about. Nobody's holding a gun to your head. Steve, you can do it. You can change the way you think. Steve, your thoughts really are highly controllable. Brothers and sisters, if we want a healthy mind, if I want to break free from all those bad patterns of the way I've been thinking, the Bible says there's three choices I must make, and not just make once in a lifetime, but three choices that I must make every day. And the first choice is I must feed my mind with truth. Now, we all know the importance of nutrition. Good food and good calories cause you to be better, to be stronger, to be healthier, to have more energy. Bad calories, junk food, things that don't do good harm your body. The same is true with your thought life. I must feed my mind not with junk food, but with truth. Now, in our life groups this week, we're going to take a look at some of the different things that, that we can put into our minds, and that should be a good time. But, but I want you to know that when I talk about feeding our minds on truth, I'm talking primarily, ultimately, about this book that I'm holding in my hand. See, feeding on this truth is essential for your mental health and for your transformation. Feeding on the Bible, reading Scripture, is essential for your mental health and for your spiritual transformation. Get it? Good. Get it? Good. Get it? Good. Now, Jesus said it like this. People need more than bread for their life. They must feed on every word of God. In John 6, 63, Jesus said, the words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and they are full of life. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus said and prayed while talking to his dad, while sweating drops of blood in the garden, soon to be arrested, he said, Father, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, now sanctify is, it's, you know, it's one of those, it's one of those church words. Um, and what Jesus was saying, he said, Father, sanctify equals, Father, make them like me. Uh, Father, Father, restore your image in them again. Make them who they were created to be. And, and how does Jesus say that this sanctification happens? It's, it happens through truth and your word. God's word is truth. And, and, and here, here, here's, here's the bottom line. Here, here's the truth. You will not be sanctified 
be like Jesus, have God's image fully restored in you or more restored in you if you do not feed on the Bible. If you don't feed on the Bible, you will not be sanctified and you will not be free to live the life God created you to live. Just a few scripture about the transforming and mind-feeding power of the Bible. All scripture is inspired by God in Greek. We know all scripture is literally God-breathed. And it's useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, which is why sometimes we wouldn't want to read it, right? Because we're wrong. If I read it, I'm going to find out I'm wrong. And I like being wrong. I like this attitude. I like being this way. And so I'm not going to read it. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people, that would be you and I, and the person to your right and left, to do every good work. And, and, and I love what the, the psalmist says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the one whose delight is in the law of the Lord, whose delight is in the word of the God, and who meditates on it day and night. That person who delights in this book and meditates it day and night and in between day and night all day is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season whose leaves do not wither whatever they do prospers. Blessed is the one who delights in God's word and who meditates on God's word day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and though other leaves out there are withering, hers are not. Brothers and sisters, in this book you will find who God is, who you are. You will find what is true, what is not true. You will find what behavior leads to life and what behavior leads to death. In this book, you will find hope, you will find comfort, you will find encouragement, you will find conviction, you will find wisdom, you will find knowledge, you will find help, you will find hope, you will find truth, you will find life. Amen? To have a healthy mind, we must feed regularly on this book. And yeah, it's probably been four plus years ago, you know, I put together something called Faith Comes From Hearing. There's a new one out on the table. It's on our website. And the reason I, I did that is because you could ask any pastor, and it's been my experience. <clears throat> Don't know if it's a scientific poll, but it's pretty accurate. They'll tell you that less than 20% of people who attend church read God's word on a regular basis. Less than 20%. No wonder we're still so messed up, right? No wonder like we still can't get it right, right? It, it, we just don't read it. And you know, and so I, I put this together. So there's a chapter a day each week. And now, now I, I have a confession to make that I, I didn't do real good at reading God's word. Faith, from scripture, hearing, end it. And, and I, I, Thursday, like I had not, Sunday morning spent time with God. Thursday night, 15 minutes before my life group met, I grabbed my devotional here and blitzed through four of them in six minutes. I was so moved. God was so impressed, you know. It, it, was, it was like nothing. It was like nothing, right? Nothing happened, you know. And, and, and it wasn't until Saturday morning that, that 
You know, and, and, I, and I gotta be honest, my, my week didn't feel real good. You know, I felt distant from God. And so I, I get up Saturday morning and, and, and I and I'm telling God like 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 all this stuff I talked about about overcoming stress. It's like God, you're like God, I'm, I'm feeling the stress of worry. I'm feeling the stress of too many spinning plates. I'm feel, it's like God, you know. And I said I feel distant from you. And and, and I have I go I started going. Uh, let, let me get a little Bible verse to read. And and, and I wound up at at Second uh, Corinthians twelve verse nine, where Paul, my grace is all you need. And I wrote my grace, Steve. It's my grace, not yours. Steve, your grace is not always so graceful. <laughs> Mine always is. And I wrote, Lord, even now, yes, even now. My grace is. Steve, it just is. Like I am just is. It is. My grace was. My grace will always be. Uh, my grace is the alpha and the omega. Steve, my grace is the beginning and the end. Uh, my, my grace was there before you met me. My grace will be with you along the journey, and my grace will be there to greet you when you get home. My grace is all you need. It's all you need, Steve. Uh, my grace is all you'll ever need. All means all, Steve. Steve, you cannot add to my grace. You cannot earn my grace. Doing good does not make my grace gracier. God makes up words too, but when he makes them up, they're real words. Um, doing good does not make my grace gracier, and doing wrong does not minimize it. Steve, yes, you need. You need help. You need hope. You need redemption. You need what you don't deserve. You need an anchor in the storm. You need a firm foundation in, in a shaky world. You need to know that you are forgiven and free, adopted in love, secure, and homeward bound. Steve, my grace is all you need. Don't try to add to it. Don't try to work for it. Just live in it and let it be the ocean that it is. And Steve, you just start sinking in it. My grace is all you need to remove the distance to come closer to me. My power. And man, that's some power. Star-breathing power. Ocean in your palm-holding power. Created everything with a few words. Let there be and there was power. It's a before everything power. It's an over everything power. It's a holding everything power. My power works. It works, Steve. It's not and does not and will not never work. It, it, my power will never fail. Steve, you can trust my power. It works. It works. Do you believe it? My power works best. Not your power. Uh, not the power of others. Sure, other powers may work some, uh, may work a little, but my power works best. So Steve, it doesn't make sense to rest on, trust in, connect to, and have full confidence in any other power than my power that works best. My power works best in weakness. In weakness, Lord, what does that mean? Lord, I felt an image pop into my mind of, of, me, of me falling off a cliff onto jagged rocks, and, and, and there's a rope hanging there for me to grab onto. Will I grab the rope? Will I trust the rope? Will I admit my, will I admit my absolute need of the rope? Will I grab and fully hold on to the rope with both hands, trusting the one who holds the rope to pull me up to safety? My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Steve, I, I knew you felt dry distant from me. There's only one way back, my grace. I don't understand it, Father. I, I don't understand me. Steve, but I do understand you, and believe me, son, it's why my grace is. We must feed daily 
on truth. Trust me. Trust me. And I must free, we must free our minds from destructive thoughts. See, the second thing I need to do to free my mind from is to free my mind from destructive thoughts. Understand, your mind needs to be liberated. Your mind needs to be delivered. Your mind needs to be released because you're a prisoner of your own thoughts. And you're a prisoner of things that people told you that simply weren't true. As I said earlier, it doesn't matter whether it's true or not. If you believe that, it affects your life. If when you were young, you were told you were clumsy, maybe you weren't even clumsy, but you began to see yourself as clumsy, and you became clumsy because we tend to become how we see ourselves. And listen, freeing our mind from destructive thoughts is really hard because we have these three enemies in our head. Turn to the person to your right left and say, there's something in your head. (laughs) See? See? I got to tell you, when you go to church and you can say there's always a but and there's something in your head, you know it's been a good day, right? You're glad you came, right? But, but, but there, there's something in our head. There's, there's these enemies in our mind that they're controlling our thoughts, keeping us from doing the things that we want to do. I mean, we're like, hey, I, I want to change this. I'm going to change this. And it never happens. Why? Because these three enemies in your mind are battling in your head, keeping you from doing all the things your best intentions would like to do. And let me tell you, they're not going to give up their ground easily. You've got to fight to free your mind. So what are these enemies? Number one, our old nature. Paul talks about how his old nature keeps him in mental bondage. He says, I see in my body a principle at war with the law of my mind, taking me captive to the law of sin, and it dwells inside of me. I see in my body a principle at war with the law of my mind. He's using war language. Do you ever find yourself doing things that you don't really want to do? That's the battle. And and, and let me say this, and you don't need to raise your hands, but have you ever knowingly engaged in self-destructive behavior? I mean, you're like, hey, I know this is not good for me. I know this is not the right thing to do, the right thing to say, the right way to act, the right way to behave. But, there's always a but, I'm going to do it anyway. That's the battle in your mind. Understand, we all have these best intentions in our new nature. We want to do the right thing. But there is this battle with our old sinful nature. Your sinful nature is not your friend. In fact, it's the source of all your bad habits. Paul says it this way. Those who are dominated by their sinful nature, he's talking to Christians in Rome, think about sinful things. But those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the Spirit. Notice it's all about about our minds. It's all about how how we think. Sure, we may have the best intentions for changing something in our life, but our old nature is going to battle us on it every time. Another enemy we have to overcome to get control of our thoughts is Satan. One thing I do with the word Satan, it's hard to do because it you know, Microsoft Word wants me to do it. I will never capitalize the word Satan. I just can't do it. It's like, I won't do it. it, it, I, it he, he is lowercase to me every time, right? I will, when I use the pronoun he, he's lowercase. God gets capital H. He, Satan is always lowercase to me, all right? He just is. Satan wants to control your mind, but he can't. So he sends those ideas, those thoughts into your head. 
Now, he can't force you to think anything. Because if you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit in you, and greater is the one who is in you, 1 John 4, 4, than the one who is in the world, right? He's greater. So, so he can't make you, but, but he surely can make some suggestions, can he? And his suggestions can be pretty powerful. Understand, Satan is constantly and continually planting negative thoughts in your mind. He'll, he'll use other people, he'll use friends, he'll use enemies, he'll use ex-friends, he'll, he'll use the media, or he'll just throw a thought in your head. And you're like, hey, where did that come from? I, I mean, have you ever been praying real hard and all of a sudden the weirdest and maybe not very godly thought just like popped in there while you're praying? And you're like, where did that come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Satan, he just let off a little bomb in your head. I, I, I like what Martin Luther said, the, the Reformation, uh, he, he, about negative thoughts coming from the devil. This is good. You can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can prevent them from building a nest in your hair. Right? right? He, they're going to come. You don't have to dwell on them. You don't have to let them build a nest in your head. Brothers and sisters, one of the most important things in order for you and I to have a healthy mind is this. Don't believe everything you think. Don't believe everything you think. Understand, we think a lot of stuff that's not true. God doesn't really care about me. I'll never overcome that sin. I'll always be messed up. Life will always be like this. It'll never get any better. I'll, I'll never become who God wants me to be. And no one will ever really want to be close to me. I'll, I'll never amount to anything. And, and listen, so, so sometimes those thoughts in your mind come from your old nature, some, from, sometimes from the devil, and it doesn't really matter because if it's not true, it's not true. You don't have to believe everything you think. I don't have to believe everything I think. Repeat after me. I don't have to believe, have to believe. Everything, I think. everything I think. I mean, if you thought some pretty not-so-nice stuff about yourself before, you don't have to believe it. And brothers and sisters, we embrace that simple truth. I don't have to believe everything that I think. We're on the road to mental health because not everything we think is true. Understand, some of the stuff you're thinking about yourself, you're thinking about God, you're thinking about your husband or your wife or your kids or your dog or your cat. Well, cat could be true, okay. Uh, it's not all true just because you thought it. I shouldn't have named on cats. Their cats are wonderful. Uh, now, now, we're going to cover in detail in life groups this week about thoughts in their head. But, but I want you to know that the moment you wake up in the morning or you can't go to sleep at night, Satan is armed and ready for battle, and he starts dropping his little bombs, setting them off in your mind. Man, you're not going to have a good day today. It's going to be a really hard day. Uh, nobody really likes you. Everybody's still against you. N nothing's going to change. Yesterday was bad. Guess what? Today's going to be e even worse than, yet than then. You're still so worthless. You know what, you're so useless and such a failure, you know, that I don't even know why you would even want to get out of bed. Why don't you roll over, turn off the alarm clock, and stay in bed and simply give up? 
He's a liar. But we got this noise in her head. And sometimes we listen. It's like, why am I even trying? It's never going to be different. I mean, he starts giving you all these reasons to give up, and you haven't even started the day yet. Haven't even brushed your teeth. So we got an enemy, our flesh enemy we have of Satan, and another is the world's value system, the culture around us, the world that is trying to squeeze us into its mold. You see, our, our world has a value system. And, and I, I think the world's value system was summarized really well by ad campaign for the soft drink or, or the soda or the pop, right, depending on where you're from, Sprite. Years ago, I had this campaign. Image is nothing. Thirst is everything. Obey your thirst. In other words, do what makes you feel good. Do what makes you happy. Do what gives you pleasure. Do what is satisfying to you at this very moment. Obey your, you want to be angry? Obey your thirst. You want to be bitter? Obey your thirst. You you want to have sexual relations with someone who's not your, your covenant husband or wife? Obey your thirst. And we're surrounded by this mindset. It's in commercials, media, it's everywhere. There's nowhere out there in the world that's telling us to think smart, to think healthy, to think wise, to think godly. They're encouraging the exact opposite. Have you ever heard of the law of exposure? I understand what repeatedly enters your mind will occupy your mind. And what occupies your mind will eventually shape your mind. And what shapes your mind will ultimately express itself in what you do and who you become. What repeatedly enters your mind will occupy your mind. What occupies your mind will eventually shape your mind. What shapes your mind will ultimately express itself in what you do and who you become. And listen, the law of exposure is as unyielding as the law of gravity. Now, now no one is surprised by the law of gravity, right? Does the law of gravity ever surprise you? Like, No one's going to be surprised what happens when I push this plate off the table, right? Why did that happen? I'm not surprised. Actually, first service, I was surprised because the plate broke, and I thought it was so cool because I didn't think it was going to break. You know, we're not surprised by that, right? You walk off the roof of a six-story building, and you hit the ground, you're like, I have no idea how that happened. But amazingly, people react to the law of exposure in total shock. I mean, they're surprised that what their minds are constantly exposed to, what they dwell on, eventually comes out in how they feel and what they do. I mean, children are exposed to thousands of acts of violence and murder on TV and even more graphic forms in movies and video games. And much of our music today is full of violence, yet our society is surprised when a fight breaks out in the stands and the bleachers in a football game or there's a mass shooting somewhere that devastates our nation. Well, we are flooded with sexual images all the time and in every place. I I mean, sexual images are everywhere. The exposure rate is absolutely incredible, yet we're surprised and act shocked when teenagers have sex and when babies are born outside of marriage and we scratch our heads and have a confused look on our face. I don't know why that broke. When we see the levels of sexual addiction and promiscuity go up and marital faithfulness go down. 
Uh, like a, a person pushing a plate over the edge of the table, we say, whoa, how did that happen? I mean, think about it. It's amazing. It's so incredible that so-called intelligent people think that they can keep violating the law of exposure and get away with it. And, and I'm sure you heard their mantras, and, and maybe you've even said them, hey, I, I can read this material. I, I can watch those images. I can listen to those twisted words. It doesn't really affect me. I'm not really paying attention. It just goes in one ear and out the other. No, it doesn't. Dallas Willard a PhD in psychology and professor at uh, University of Southern California, a very smart guy, wrote this. Today, we as a culture want to say it doesn't make any difference what we look at or hear. This, no doubt, is because we want to be free to show anything and see anything, no matter how evil and revolting it is. But businesses still pay millions of dollars to show us something for 30 seconds on television. They do that because they know that what we repeatedly see and hear affects what we do. Otherwise, they would go out of business. Your life is shaped by your thoughts. I understand if enough teenage girls look at enough magazine covers featuring enough models who are paid outrageous sums of money to make themselves unnaturally thin and then interview them and quote them as experts on what makes life worth living, will raise a generation of young women whose minds are constantly filled with such thoughts as, I'm not thin enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not desirable enough, I'm not worth very much. And if enough young men fill their minds with enough pornographic material, if they allow those scenes and images to occupy their minds and their thoughts, those thoughts will begin to shape their minds and their attitudes, and they may never understand what it is to be a real man and to treat a woman with respect and appreciation for more than just physical things. Listen, the material that you read, the music you hear, the images you watch, the sites you click onto, the conversations you hold, the daydreams you entertain are all shaping your mind and they will ultimately determine both your character and your destiny. The material you read, the music you hear, the images you watch, the sites you click onto, the conversations you hold, the daydreams you entertain are all shaping your mind and they will ultimately determine both your character and your destiny. Get it? Good. So there's, there's this battle going on in our minds with these three enemies, our old nature, Satan, and the worldly value system. How do we fight this battle? Paul tells us how. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with in this battle in our minds are not the weapons of the world. They're not the, they're not the weapons of the world. Our weapons have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish any argument and every pretense, anything in our mind that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, who he is and what he's about, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's warfare language. He's talking about this battle going on in our heads. And, and, and he says that, that, that we demolish strongholds. Quote, question, what's a stronghold? A, a stronghold is a lie that I believe. That's a stronghold. A, a spiritual stronghold in my life is a, a lie that I believe. So the lie might be, uh, God doesn't really love me. That's a lie. The lie might be, 
I know better than God what will make my life happy. That's a lie. That's a stronghold. Anything I believe that's a lie is called a spiritual stronghold in my life. A, a, a stronghold could be the false value system of this world that says all that matters is to obey your thirst, man. You're thirsty for that revenge. You're thirsty for that pleasure. Man, you go for it. You're thirsty for that money and that stuff. You go for it. You obey your thirst. That's all that matters. And if I believe that, I get a stronghold in my life. A stronghold could be the attitude that I'm never going to forgive that person. That's a stronghold. I can never forgive myself. That's a stronghold. I'll never amount to anything worthwhile. That's a stronghold. If something bad is going to happen, it's going to happen to me because it always happens to me. That's how my life goes. That's a lie. That's a stronghold you're believing. So Paul says that we have these strongholds and, and, and that we need to demolish them, that, that we need to destroy them. So how do we do that? How do we fight this mental battle? He says, we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. That, that word take captive means to conquer, to capture, to bring under control and submission. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. There was one time during my, my quiet time that God gave me this image of what this looks like, at least in my head. Here it is. Anybody know what that is, right? Yeah, everybody, been th those things are always fun, right? Especially during the holidays, right? And, and the way I picture it is like, like all those people are thoughts. And all those thoughts want to get through that gate. And, and they want to get in my head. Now, some of those thoughts are good. Some are not good. And, and, and what God says, you got to tell me, Steve, you need to be a TSA agent. And, and, and when that thought comes through, I know they got their shoes off, but you know, all that stuff. You need to say, wait a second. Does this thought align with Christ and who he is? And, and let me tell you one thing. A any thought that discourages you, any thought that devalues you, any thought that depresses you, that thought is not from God. That's not how our God rolls. And so the way I pictured, uh, you know, we're thinking stuff all the time. Wait a second. Is that, does that align with God? Does that align with who my God is? You know, we need to be a TSA agent before we let them through the gate and take flight in our head. Finally, brothers, Paul says, and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, that's what we arm our TSA agent with, Right? Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. I, I can think of a lot of things that wouldn't fit in those categories, right? Unforgiveness, would that fit in there? No. Bitterness, no. Anger, no. Pride, no. Lust, no, right? You know, so we, we just screen it. We, we don't have to think it. Say, no, I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to think it. I'm not going to allow that in. Yeah, yeah, you flew over my head, you little birdie, but you're not taking a nest right here. Right? You're not going to nest in my hair. See, the reason why most people are ineffective in life and actually fail at life and don't enjoy it is because they never learn how to fight this battle in their head because it's in their minds. It's in their minds, right, all the time. I wish I could tell you that the noise would never stop. It would stop. It's not going to stop. But just because you think it doesn't mean it's true. How do we have mental health? 
I must feed my mind with truth. I must free my mind from destructive thoughts. I must focus my mind on the right things. And, and this one is pretty quick, so you know, it won't be as long as the other one, so we won't be here a whole lot longer. Though I know everyone here would rather stay at 5 o'clock and hear me talk, you know, because it's like the highlight of your week, you know. Um, but we, I must focus my mind on the right things. I got like no amen or no like bring it, brother. You're so right, Steve. No, okay, it's all right. Jesus loves me, this I know, even if my church doesn't want to listen to me so. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know where that came from. That definitely was from, I don't know. Okay, anyhow, we, we must focus on the right things. And here, here are three things that if we focus on them, will help us have some mental health, will help our mental state of mind. You know, not rocket science, right? right? We just got to do them. Think about Jesus. Think about Jesus. You've heard the old cliche, old cliche that we become what we think about. Well, if you think about Jesus, guess what? You're going to start to become come like Jesus. You'll become like Jesus. And just for you know, 20 seconds, whatever, just close your eyes. You don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to, but just think about Jesus. Man, I, I don't know what you saw. I, I, I saw him with little children. I, I, I saw him on the cross. I saw him standing in a boat in a violent sea with terrified followers and saying, be still. Keep your mind on Jesus. Hebrew writer said, think about Jesus' example. He held on. He held on. And some of you God brought here today to tell you, hold on. Hold on. He held on while wicked people were doing evil things to him. So do not get tired and stop trying. Brothers and sisters, when you start feeling like you're ready to give up, think about Jesus. Think about what he went through. Think about Jesus. And next, think about others. Paul says, don't just think about your own affairs. But be interested in others too and what they're doing. And I, I don't know if we realize how counterculture that is. I mean, everything in our world teaches us to think about ourselves. I, I, I got to do what's best for me. You know, I, I got to do what makes me happy. I, I got to obey my thirst. It's about us. When Rick Warren wrote the Purpose Driven Life book, great book, you know, he, he, he said that he, he wanted to start it off the book in the first chapter, the first sentence with the most counterculture sentence or phrase he could come up with. And it's just five words. I love these five words. It was worth the price of the book when I read them. And those five words were, it's not about you. It's not about you. It's not about you. You got problems in your marriage, it's not about you. Problems at work, it's not about you. Problems in your relationship, it's not about you. The things you like or don't like about church, guess what? It's not about you. It's not about you. It, it, it's not about me. It's about him. It's about his glory. It's about his honor. It's about his purposes. It's about his plan. It's about his people. It's about the spread of his kingdom. It's about the salvation that he can bring to lost and hurting people. It's not about you. 
turn to the person to your right and left and say, it's not about me. Ha, ha, ha. Ha, ha, ha. Hey, hey, hey. Amen. See, I gave you the butt and I gave you the other one. You, you thought you were going to get this one. You really want it, right? It's not about you. It's telling you. And here's the deal. We need to get over ourselves. You need to get over yourself. I need to get over myself. And we need to embrace Hebrews 10, 24. Let us think about each other and help each other to show love and do good deeds. Like, hey, man, how can I, how can I help this person do better? How can I encourage this person to become everything God wants them to be? Not like, well, you know what? You know, it's because it's not about you. What if we actually did that? I mean, what if we actually took that attitude in our homes, in our marriage? Hey, you know what? You go home this week, this week you're saying, you know what? It's not about me. In my marriage, it's, you know what? It's not about me. It's about my, it's about my wife. It's, it, it's, it's about my kids, right? It's about everybody else in my home. You go to work. Hey, you know what? It's not about what everybody does for me. Hey, you know what? Now, this week, just this week, it's about, hey, it's about them, not me. What if we walked into this building, right? You know, we got Pachim coming up, right? Man, Dan's got a ton of spots to fill. Guys spending the night. Guys driving things up. There's going to be a table out there, right? You know, um, some of us have some free time to do it, right? You know, and if we had the attitude, hey, it's not about me, right? Because guess what? It's not going to be fun. I mean, you may not want to spend the night over there, but someone's got to do it, right? Someone's got to do it. I mean, we don't want these guys out in the cold. I mean, Dan's been going crazy trying to fill the spots. I, I think that, that we should have them filled today. Gentlemen, I think we need to step up, and I'm gonna have to, I better go out there and sign something up right? Because you look at the name and I'm up here saying it. Now I got to do it. Dang it. Why did I even bring this up? Right? You know? <laughs> uh, hey, forget what I just said. You know, it's all about me, right? No, it would change everything. Amen? Amen. Think about Jesus. Think about others. Think about eternity. I, 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 like, I like what Paul said in Colossians 3.2, let heaven fill your thoughts. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Let that place of no more pain and sorrow, death and disease fill your thoughts. Let that place where I get, to, I get to hug my mom and dad again fill my thoughts. Let that place where I get to see Judy, my first wife who died of cancer again, let, let that fill my thoughts. Let this place of no more pain and heartache and disappointment fill my thoughts. Let this place where I'll never let God down again because sin does not exist there. Let that fill my thoughts. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. Now, now I know you probably heard the saying, oh, they're so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. That's a bunch of crap. All right? That's just, that's just not true. It's just not true. In fact, I think the opposite is true. It's the heavenly-minded people that do the most good. I think the Apostle Paul was probably the most heavenly-minded person there's ever been, and he did a lot of good. See, our problem is not that we're too heavenly-minded. Our problem is that we're too earthly-minded. And we're thinking about all kinds of other things that are not as important as heaven. Our mind is consumed with, with budgets and baseball and vacations and bills and stuff. Rather than heaven. Think of heaven. Paul said this No eye has seen, we're about done. No ears heard, no mind has imagined 
what God has prepared for those who love him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no, no mind has conceived what God has prepared for those who love him. And when we've been there 10,000 years, right? Man, talk about some good thoughts to fill our minds. And when we think about that, when we think about our eternity, when we think about where we're going to spend forever, all these, that's why I got that, that long rope. You guys have seen it, this long rope up here, you know, and, and, and having, we leave it here and we always forget it's here. I know it's all tangled up, so I'm not even going to try to untangle it. Um, but, you know, like this rope, like, like goes on forever, right? It goes on forever, right? Ever. It just stretches out, right? It just stretches out. And, and like this is our life here, our entire life. And that goes on forever. In this terrible time I'm going through right now, it's like, it's only like this little piece. It's just like this little piece here. God goes like, he's like, are you kidding me? Like, like. You're all bad out of shape because this little speck right here is kind of hard, but forever it's going to be incredible. When we think that way, when we think about eternity, it begins to change everything. There is a war going on in our mind. And if we want mental health, we must feed on God's truth daily. You know, you know do your Bible reading. You can go on our website, if you don't have your own, there's Bible reading plans out there. We got sheets on the table in the foyer. We have one on our website, a chapter a day, you know. You know obey, don't obey your thirst, obey the verse, right? You know, read the Bible, obey, obey the verse. Feed your mind on God's truth and, and free your mind from destructive thoughts. It's going to be hard. But you, 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 you take some TSA training, right, because you're, you're feeding on the truth. You're like, I call you. That, that's more than three ounces of liquid. You're not getting in. You're not getting in. You didn't put it in the baggie. You're not getting in. You just got to do that. And then you got to think about the right stuff. Think about Jesus. Think about others. And think about eternity. Three keys to a healthy mind. Three keys to win the battle. And we're going to close with the song and I love this song. It's called Come As You Are. Because let me tell you, let me tell you a lie that, that sometimes people believe. I can tell you a lie that people who have never surrendered to Christ in faith, repentance, and baptism believe. Here's what they believe. I'm too messed up. I'm too messed up. God would never want me. My mom never wanted me. My dad never wanted me. My spouse left me. I, I, I've done so many terrible things. Heck, I wouldn't want me. You know, and this song says, come as you are. You know, God wants you just as you are. Just as you are. You know, and, and, and so if you're here, you've never surrendered to him. You know, and, and what we teach in Maple Grove is we respond to the gospel the way we see in the book of Acts, through faith, repentance, and baptism. But also Christians can also have that same issue. At least in my head I can, right? I mean, if you ever got inside my head, you'd be scared to death. You know? And, 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 and sometimes as Christians, right, you're like, I, I don't even know what your week was like. Maybe you had a great week. You know, like you, you conquered every battle, every obstacle, every sin, every temptation, man. 
you, you just took care of it. Or, or maybe it wasn't such a good week. Maybe you said some things you shouldn't. Maybe you did some things you shouldn't. Maybe you responded the wrong way to somebody in anger. Or, or, or maybe you just have some stuff you just can't let go of. And maybe you promised God time and time again, you know what, God, I'm not going to do that anymore. And guess what? You did it seven times this week. And the lie of Satan is, you can't come as you are. You go 30 days, get your act together, and then come talk to me. God doesn't work that way. And so I don't know where you are, you do, and God does. But, but I just want you to know that the God we serve, the God we love, and the truth about the God we love is that we come as we are. And he loves us as we are. Amen? Would you stand with me? Father God, we love you. And, and God, you know about the war in our minds. And, and God, I pray for my family, my friends in this room who I love dearly. And, and I pray that we realize who you are, that we can come as we are, that we can lay down our hurts and our burdens, God. And God, that we can win this war. And God, I pray for those who have not been feeding on the truth that they won't believe the lie that it's too late or why bother? No, I, I pray they believe the truth that the day's a new day. This week's a new week and you have great truth for them. And I pray for those who've been constantly defeated and those who've had things said to them and about them when they were growing up or in some relationship and they believe those lies and it took root and they're hurt and they're believing those lies. I pray they believe the truth in who they are in you. And God, I pray you help us think about the right things about your son who loves us, about other people who need you, and about this place you're preparing for us. And I pray that we can just celebrate that we don't have to be perfect, we don't have to be sinless because your son was, and that we can come right now and worship you as we are. In Jesus' name, amen.